Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Mackie and Judd with Rami from the all-new Score North and scorenorth.com. That's S-K-O-R North.com. And uh, you can you can vote on our grittiest Minnesota athletes ever bracket. It's down to the final four. Nick Punto against Vikings, basically, is the, the final four. Jim Kleinsasser, Antoine Winfield, I think Harrison Smith. Jim Marshall right. lost? All the old school Vikings lost. Mick Tinglehoff is out. Randall McDaniel is out. He's not that old school, but he's a generation prior. Well, McDaniel, I can see. I thought Jim Marshall had to make it no. through. Real quick here, um, I want to give you guys a little uh, little Zach Levine thing here in a second. But So in a minute 14, which is what's left in th- the third overtime of this class 2A quarterfinals game between Lakeville South and Eden Prairie, yeah. they're going to stop the game if nobody scores in the next minute 14 and play, play the rest tomorrow? According to John Mullay, my former... Um, co-worker at the Star Tribune who now works at the State High School League. He tweeted, if this game is tied after three OTs, the game will be suspended and finished at 8 a.m. Friday. The uh, XL Energy Center will be cleared and Edina Moorhead will start as close to 6 p.m. as possible. Why don't they just so go yes. to a shootout? Hold on a second. <laughs> I got a... I'm a little bit old, so this is going to take some work. But I think to choke you, I think if I stand up, I can make it. Hold on. Come here! <laughs> You can see Judd attempting to choke me. Twitch.tv slash score north. Well, your Twitch rant on uh, so one of our new uh, live video streaming shows. or it's one over. Of our video shows. There it is. Eden Prairie just scored. That makes it easier for everyone. Okay, so it? no one has to come back at 8 a.m. Really on Beyond the Score last quiet. night. You from yeah. your hotel room in Fort Myers ranted about shootouts after a couple after admittedly a couple beers were in you. Yeah, we went to Fancies and had a uh, had had some fine food and I had a few beers and well I had I had put on, on our prep sheet and we didn't get to it the opportunity to talk about the shootout because the Wild lost back to back shootouts on Sunday and Tuesday to Nashville at the X on Sunday in in Nashville on Tuesday and it was and and they both ended on Ryan Johansson questionable goals. But I don't care about that. I don't care that they lost. This is not a rant about the Wild got screwed. This is a concept that I have never liked at all. I think, and and there was a time when I just sort of gave up because I thought, okay, the U.S. public loves this because you know it, it's a penalty shot. It's a it's a skills competition. And then people basically said, you know, we're seeing this all the time. Like it's really cool once in a while. 
if it's very rare or if it's a penalty shot, which which get awarded very rarely. But you start to see this more and more, and you're deciding a game with a skills competition. It's the stupidest thing. And why not play three-on-three? Three? And some people say, well, three-on-three three is not the sport, but it's it's at least guys it's playing three as teammates. Three is much more the sport and than it's a teammates. shootout. Yeah. I mean, there's no, they're, they're, it's not a skills competition, so why not play three-on-three for a 10-minute period or until somebody scores, and then, you know what, if nobody scores in that 10-minute period, you're tied, just call it a tie. Because you award points, right? And, yeah. you, and you award points like candy. And and in fact, if the National Hockey League really wants to be popular in this country, if they want to do the right thing, then if they're going to have this silly format, they really should go by winning percentage. Because if you're going to decide every game, why the only reason why you have overtime losses and this BS and points awarded is to make non-playoff teams look like playoff teams. So my argument is, all right, if you're not going to go away from that format because you love the fact that the Arizona Coyotes are a playoff team or they're close. I mean, that's, that's really exciting. They have no business being one. I mean, the Wild in the real world would be struggling. So if we're going to award points like candy like they want, let's go to a system that after a 10-minute overtime period of three-on-three, three, which I think is a lot of fun to watch, we call it a tie and you get a point. And, and each team just gets a point. So you would do three on three ten for ten minutes, correct? And I would guess of the what percentage of hockey games go to overtime? Like it's like ten, it's like tw- I want to say like twenty percent of games or fifteen or twenty percent. It's a pretty a, large percentage. Yeah, I was going to say as a casual observer, it seems like hockey more than other sports. It does yeah. more often goes to hockey. Goes Absolutely, to overtime. It's like, Absolutely. I guess we could just pull up the standings and see it. But like let's call it one in every five games go to, goes to overtime. I'll bet you of those games that go to overtime, if you played three-on-three for 10 minutes, I'll bet 90% would end within the 10-minute allotted time, and you'd have very few ties. I think you're right. It was just like there's way too many odd man rushes and chances, and it's just... And that's what makes it fun. And even when you're playing three-on-three and it's not an odd man rush and you're just like doing work in your zone, there's so much space. Guys are going to get open looks. And guys make mistakes, and, and you get opportunities. I think you're exactly right. But... This format is just so silly, and it, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to a sport I love when we're talking about, did Ryan Johansson's stick push Alex Stalock's pad into the goal, and so they scored? It's just embarrassing. And the format, I, I believe the shootout is the stupidest format, formatic in sports. Like, baseball has its problems, but I don't think baseball has, and baseball has things, pace of play that could be picked up, but I don't think baseball does one thing, unless I'm wrong here, that is just embarrassingly stupid. Football, I don't think does. I could name a few in baseball, but I agree with your shootout. But my, but the my, shootout was fun for like five years when hockey is, needed a trinket. It's, it's apples to apples to go to a baseball fan and say, we are going to decide, you know, you played 12 innings and everyone's tired and you're going to be done. We're going to get a home run derby going. It's apples to apples. And people would be like, hold on a second. What do you talk about? A home run derby? You say, no, look. Hockey's got a skills competition. A home run derby is a skills competition. And so we're going to put a pitcher out there. He's going to throw, and we're going to see who can hit the most home runs. And that then will decide wins and losses. If you want Judd's full hotel room rant after a couple beers last night. And a tour of his hotel room. Yes. You that can, was something. You can get it uh, if you follow the Score North Twitter account. That's at Score North, and it's uh, a little feature we like to call Beyond the Score. The room was not bad. 
The outside of the La Quinta did not look great. A little shady. The room had been redone, I think, though. Wood floors. Nice. Really? Yeah. Nice. I was. Can't go I, wrong. I saw the the outside and I thought, oh, I could be in trouble here. And I opened up the door, very pleasantly surprised. I feel like that's kind of a synopsis of Florida. I was in general, just going to say, I think that's Florida. Well, yeah. I believe that's Florida motels, which is motel roulette. Because if it hasn't been redone, the yeah. rooms, it can be really ugly. Yeah. Uh, so I last night I was watching highlights of NBA games and came across like most people Zach Levine's game winning layup yeah with a couple seconds to go in which he drives in ferociously to the rim beats his defender sinks the game winning layup does a fist pump I mean it was like more emotion and aggression than you've seen Andrew Wiggins in his whole career right and uh, and so I I went back I just. I remember tweeting something a couple of years ago before the Jimmy Butler trade, and I just did a search of my Twitter account and uh, Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins, and I found this tweet. Uh, are we sure Andrew Wiggins is better than Zach Levine? And that was a theme on our show about, like, it was just a no-brainer. We talked about a lot. Like, you got to hang on to Wiggins and trade Levine. And it's like, I don't know. Watch these guys play. They both have flaws, but one of them has a motor and the other one doesn't. And I'll, I'll bet on the guy that has a motor 10 times out of 10 over the guy that doesn't. And... Alas, here we are. Zach Levine, who doesn't play a lot of defense, but for your Chicago Bulls, Robbie Maklov, he's averaging 24 points, four and a half rebounds, four and a half assists. All those things, back of the basketball card stats, are better than Andrew Wiggins in fewer minutes, actually. He shoots 47% from the field. He shoots 37% from three-point range. And he shows passion. Like, like the now, if if you want to say, yeah, but he doesn't play defense. Okay, well, neither one of them plays much defense. Every other box, Zach Levine checks. And so I think it's fair to say at this point, anyone who thought Andrew Wiggins was the guy to keep and Zach Levine was the guy to trade, I mean, that was an incorrect assessment going back a couple of years ago. And I have a lot of Zach Levine regrets right now on behalf of Wolves fans after watching that last night. I think that's safe to say. I don't know that anybody... I mean, are there people who are still in denial or who st- who are still going, well, just wait for Wiggy. Just wait for Wiggy, man. I think He's that crowd show is you. pretty thin at this. I was going through some of these from a couple years ago, and it's not that long ago. This was this was June 20th of, the, of, of 2017. And like just some of the responses... Without question, at Phil Mackey, please stop your nonsense. This take is almost as bad as what Paul Allen wanted to trade for Jimmy Butler. I don't know what PA wanted to trade for Jimmy Butler. Uh, most people, including Manny, Manny spiked me in the comment section here too. With, <laughs> yeah, no, dude. Manny, our very own Manny, <laughs> yes, Manny Hill did. Yes, really. Yes, I'm waiting through the comments here. It was mostly people saying like, "You're kidding, right? You're an idiot." Yes, he's 100 percent better than Zach Levine. Uh, and then a bunch of people that I just had to mute and block. It says like you've blocked or you've muted this. So you can't even call see me, their responses. Me an idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but let me ask you something. Because mm-hmm. I've tried to do this before. Like I'm like, oh, something will happen. I'll be like, I remember I tweeted about this. You know, eight years ago or whatever. And then I start like looking for the tweet, and I just get tired of scrolling. And it's not important enough for me to say I told you so to go through all that effort. Are you so petty? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you scrolling through? So let's say it was a tweet from you thought oh, a couple years ago I yeah, tweeted this. Yeah. And now it In happened. your mind, is it you're scrolling through all of your tweets for two years? Isn't that what you do? No. How do you find it? <laughs> I'm petty. I'm not that petty. How okay? do you find it? You go to the search bar uh-huh. on Twitter and uh-huh. you type in, so for me, at Phil Mackey. Okay. 
space and then keywords that you'd want to search. So give me an example for oh, you. Oh, so it'll give you your tweets from a long yeah. time ago so without like, you having to give us a hot okay. Brewers or Bucks Give us take. a take that you think you had at some point. Um, I Okay, last year when the, the, the Brewers traded for Christian Yelich, I said this guy was going to be an MVP. I think I said he was going to be an MVP caliber player one day. I didn't think it would happen as fast as it did. Really? So yeah. if we if we search at Rami is tweeting, mm-hmm. Yelich, are you, do you think you used Yelich and MVP in the tweet? I might have, yes. Okay. See if we can find it. I mean, See I wish I would have known this when he won the MVP. It'd be weird now if I flexed. <laughs> four yeah. months. Take four that. months after he won the MVP. Take like, that, I called Milwaukee. it. I told See, you the, guys. The problem here is there's a lot of people who tweeted who are tweeting at you. Call, uh, call you an idiot. Yeah. Well, Probably. I don't know. It doesn't look like. Uh, I'm going to try another one here. Rami, it doesn't look like you. I, maybe you retweeted something and said MVP. It's possible. So if I just go, Rami is tweeting MVP. Uh-huh. I'd love to validate you here. I want, I, I want you to have this. He no. wants to show you how simple this it would have been for you to rub it in about people's validating faces. Me. I've wondered before when people do this, like how much work and effort are you going through to 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 to, to say I told you so? Essentially, to stick your tongue out at, tw- at the rest of the Twitter world. Okay, the first tweet that pops up when yeah. you just search at Rami is tweeting MVP is uh-huh. a score north tweet that says the real. MVP is our guy Rami is tweeting and his food spread thread from last night's Super Bowl. <laughs> Which was accurate. That was quite the spread. My God. You have a lot of MVP tweets. Did you know that? I did You've not tweeted know that. MVP quite a bit. I use the uh you're the real MVP. I use I use that expression quite often. There so it is. imagine he's, that he's the real MVP. Yeah. Give this headline MS Man, give this headline writer a raise with a Wall Street Journal link, and there's Rami jumping in with he's the real MVP. <laughs> I'm going to search for this. One of my go-tos. And maybe before uh, the show is over, we will validate your, your take. Just no, this wasn't though. about validation. I was just wondering how petty you were. That's, that Wait, was the only question. Just quickly, though. Petty, but not that petty. <laughs> if, you, if you think Phil is petty, which he can be a uh-huh. little bit, I would like to in- introduce you to our um, 2 to 4 o'clock host, Matthew Collar. <laughs> Perhaps the pettiest human being I've ever come across. He does get into Twitter fights. Like, I will spar, yeah. but, but then I just get bored. Collar's got to win. So, like, you'll see these hours of Twitter fighting. And he will, it's, 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 he will still I love, go, I love watching Collar fight people on Twitter. He'll still amazing. go back to Bills fans and Sabres fans to rub their faces into things, and he's been gone for how long? Three years? <laughs> Uh, I love. I love, can attest. I love watching Collar fight people on Twitter. Oh, it's it is amazing. It's um, incredible. All right, hold on a second. Let's take a one quick call here from David in Minneapolis. You have takes on the shootout in well, hockey, David. Just, just kind of the overtime in general. The the fact that right, if you win the game outright without going to overtime, it's two points. You go to overtime, you get two points. If you win, you get a point for a loss. How is it you get? There's three possible points in overtime and there's only two available in regulation. It seems like teams just sometimes slog through at the end of, of games just trying to get to overtime. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't make for as good of a product. Yes, and it makes no sense. The, the, whole, the whole concept and format and points awarded and how they're, they're given out to me don't, does not make sense. And if you are intent on having a team win, if you absolutely have positively decided your league cannot put up with ties, then you should go to winning percentage. Everybody else does, right? 
The only reason to award all of these points and to give them out and to, is to prop up teams that aren't supposed to be in the playoff race because you know that that might keep fans of those teams engaged. But if you're going to if you're going to go to the shootout and you're going to have that and okay we've got a winner and a loser of every game there's really no real compelling reason not to say okay wins and losses let's do the math on that that gives us a winning percentage and that should set the standings. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, I, I'm always confused by like the nine categories when I open up the NHL standings and like what is well there's is? there's row too which S- is SOL like is it, you're just leap out of luck <laughs> like what is that category that'd be a good category <laughs> the Minnesota Shoot Wild is SOL so just go home but isn't that one of the categories shootout yes. loss yes right yes yeah. because bleep that bleep out of luck that Sorry. accounts that accounts for the fact that you got a point but lost the game. In that format. 651-646-8255. We're also taking your comments on twitch.tv slash score north. Joe and Anoka. Hey, how's it going? What's going on, Joe? First time caller. I just got a thing on the bracket with uh, the Nick Punto beating Nick Jim, uh, Nick, Jim Marshall. I just think that Jim Marshall has lived out, you know, he's lived off his career. He is a great player, and he, he has signings, he has autographs. Is there really a lot of people looking for Nick Punto's signature on a baseball? You think that's why Nick Punto beat uh, Jim Marshall? I think so. He's just got that grit. And again, you know, like dirty baseball uniform, you always talk about it. But I just think that's why Nick Punto gets the win. Jim Marshall's everywhere signing footballs, Hall of Fame, all that stuff, which is great, you know. But I think Nick Punto has the better shot. It's recency bias, right? That's why. Yeah. That's the only reason why. There's not, there's Jim the, Marshall's as gritty as you can possibly get. Like Patrick Royce is of the age group of people who watch Jim Marshall's career, and he's about the only active one in his seventies on Twitter. So yeah, yeah, it just depends on if. if Did we you to, say he played in like every game for eighteen years straight? Yes, Jim Marshall did. Yeah, he yes. was. I believe he was traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Vikings. He started with the Vikings in '61 when they started to find, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. or. 62, and he did not miss a game. He played then, I think, through the 79 season and did not miss a game. I think I found your tweet. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, what did I say? All right, here it is. Validate me. Now, okay, so here's the thread. I, fo- I found the tweet you're Feed talking about. my ego. And it's, it doesn't count because oh. of the date that it was tweeted. I could tell, out. like, oh, boy. What? Yeah. Okay, let's hear it. So it comes the, with a disclaimer. It's yeah. a, you said you retweeted a, I don't know, you retweeted something, this dude, and mm-hmm. then someone responded. Okay, it was someone from the Cubs. You retweeted Javi Baez. Something like a Javi Baez highlight because you're a Cubs fan. Okay. And then uh, somebody responded back with a Christian Yelich gif, and then you said, also very good. And he said, I want Yelich to win MVP, but I don't think he will. And you said, I think there's a legit case to be made for Yelich, Javi, and probably two or three other guys in the NL. So you stamped Christian Yelich as an MVP candidate All right, on September 17th. No, but I'm telling you, when they traded for him, I I said something along the lines of this guy has MVP. Are you sure you did? I'm I'm positive, yeah. I was one of the the biggest Christian Yelich champions in the Milwaukee sports market before... Before everybody else was on that bandwagon. Well, learn how to search Twitter. and uh, maybe, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that petty. Oh. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami from the TCL Studios. All right, thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan Harrison, our uh, wonderful ace producer and also the pre-half and post-game host of Minnesota United broadcasts. So, Judd, I, you just came back from Florida. We're a bunch of ball guys in this room. The Twins just destroyed the Red Sox. Brent Rooker hit a home run today. It's been fun watching some of the, the younger guys. I'm going to throw a sentence out. You guys complete it, and I'll, com- I'll let's just go around the room, and we can hash this out. 
after you soaked up three days of twins knowledge or four days of just twins insights and knowledge seeping into my pores. Yes. So the question is a successful season for the twins would be what in your mind for it to be deemed at the end of the year to, for you to look back and say, yeah, that's a successful season for the Minnesota twins. Can I quantify or can I give you my answer without saying like a place in the standings or a record? Because my, my, my belief is, and of course, if what I'm about to say happens, there will be success or a certain amount of success. A successful season to the Twins to me is that Buxton finally delivers for a complete year. Sano comes back and plays well. And by, because I don't, at this point with him, I don't know what to expect. But certainly if you get home runs, cuts down on the strikeouts, looks pretty good. So I'm not saying that he's fantastic, but Buxton does deliver. Buxton has a Buxton has a year where the light switch goes off and that's it. And and Rosario and Kepler, well Kepler comes back. Rosario and Barrios continue on their tracks because if you get that, I think you're looking at the at the building blocks then for long-term success. Yeah. So that's a successful year to me, but my my belief is it really starts with Buxton. If Buxton washes out here and it, it doesn't work, because when it comes to Buxton and Sano, this is probably it. I don't think you're going to get have a lot more, okay, we'll just go back to the drive board. If Buxton gets an MVP vote or two, just something where you say, okay, that's it, that's a successful season. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Rami? To me, it all hinges on on Buxton and Sano, and I need to see both of those guys take the next step in their in their development and in their careers, and at the same time. And I think that these go hand in hand. I think that if that happens, you, it's pretty sure that this second thing I'm I'm going to say is going to happen, and that is contend for the AL Central. And depending how the rest of the AL plays out, maybe a wild card spot. They don't have to make it this year. But I, I really do believe that if, if Buxton and Snow don't take that next step in their development this year, while we're sitting here talking about contending for the AL Central this year or maybe even next year, and that's I think that's maybe even a pessimistic view to some that they won't be ready to contend for the division until next year. You're talking to Wetmore too much. If Buxton and Snow are... I just are, spent three days with them. If Buxton and Snow, you all right? Is, <laughs> Not quite sure yet. <laughs> If those two guys don't take the next step in their development and you feel like you just you got to pull the parachute on on that whole plan of those two guys being cornerstones of your franchise, now we're talking about at least two or three more years before the next wave of prospects come and whatever other moves go go along with that for this Twins team to be in any sort of playoff contention. So I think the whole thing hinges on whether or not Buxton and Sano can can take the next step in their development and then in the big picture, the macro, that this team is in the hunt for the division or maybe a wild card spot into late August, early September, at the very least. So uh, we all have kind of similar answers. I had I had written down uh, before the segment started, and just so we're... Like just like I wrote this down, and you guys happen to answer with the same name, which is Byron Buxton. I said success for the Twins equals Buck. It's a two. It's a two part thing, and it's more process related. It will lead to playoffs. Byron Buxton becomes a cornerstone franchise player. However, that looks like to you, a guy who hits twenty bombs, his offense comes around. He's a Gold Glove caliber center fielder. 
And it can't just be that. It has to be something else, too. And Rami said Sano, but I said Jose Barrios becomes a top 10 American League starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. So you can, and, and knocking on the door of top five. Mm-hmm. So now you've got that cornerstone potential MVP caliber center fielder, and you've got that guy that you can put up against the Luis Severinos and the Justin Verlanders in a playoff series and the Chris Sales. And at least you don't feel like it's lopsided. At least you feel like, you know what? Jose Barrios has a chance against any starting pitcher, and let's let the chips fall where they may the rest of the series. If those two things happen, I do think you're talking about contending for a wild card spot, flirting with the division. Uh, I do think you're talking about a team that can sustain success over the next five to six to seven years as some of the other players fill in. The other factor about this team that's really interesting, ESPN, uh, they're showing highlights of it right now, actually, as we uh, speak. They they had Rocco Baldelli on for one of the innings, and they showed an infographic. He's the youngest manager in baseball, mm-hmm. 37 years old. Derek Falvey is not the youngest executive, front office executive in baseball, but he's one of them. He's 35 years old. And the last time the Twins went with that much youth and energy in those two spots was 32 years ago. 87, yeah. That's how, that was the blueprint and the formula for 1987 and then what eventually led to 1991 with an executive, Andy McPhail, and a manager both in their mid-30s, right? Yes. Like 36, 37, was 36, Kelly. I think, in, yeah. because they brought in Ralph Houck, who was a veteran, veteran baseball guy, as a consultant because that was the one thing that the front office was afraid that these guys were too young, which clearly they weren't. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I, I really began to, to think about um, during my three days at spring training was not the pool, not the sun, not the sand. It was the fact that, and I brought this up a couple days ago, but I think it's incredibly important. And it, this includes our show as well. Because Buxton and Sano were such flops in 2018, I think we, as fans, media, Forget the fact that that Rosario and probably more importantly Brios mm-hmm. are on really good tracks. Mm-hmm. Like I, I thought back to, to this and how often during the course of this winter and fall did we talk about Brios? We talked about him some, but this is an incredibly when you talk about the starting pitching, this is incredibly important because this team has had in the last ten years or so how many true aces, and and Brios is not perfect, but he's developing. And he's on a very good track. And he is getting to a point where if he just takes that next step, he's going to put you in position where, where no, your rotation's not going to be locked down and great one through five, but one is going to be really good. And I think when one is that good, it makes it much simpler than to, to, to slot two and three into places to help them succeed. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, they they've just like it's been so long since the Twins have had cornerstones and pillars that you can rely on, right? It's just Johan, right? Pitching wise, yeah. If you're talking about a pitching cornerstone and a bullpen cornerstone and a couple lineup and defense cornerstones, I mean, they had all those things and didn't win a World Series, and and that was between 2001 and 2010 or so. That 10 year stretch where you had Johan for most of it, and Joe Mauer, Justin Morneau. And Joe Nathan was the second best closer in baseball behind Mariana Rivera. And, you know, it takes it, it's, you have to get lucky, but it, it takes a lot of developing and trading right. in some cases to get those pillars and cornerstones. And now you're kind of looking and saying, all right, well, Barrios could be one of them. And Buxton, you're hoping, can be another one here. And there could be any number of, you could have two or three guys in the lineup. Maybe Rosario is one of them. 
And, and now you're kind of looking at the bullpen and saying, okay, who's that guy in the bullpen? Is it a Trevor May? But for the first time in a while, it's starting to take shape, I feel like. And I feel like, the and we talked about this the other day on the show, as important as any guy in that bullpen or, or in the starting rotation, even Barrios, I think what, what is as important as any of those guys is is what they're trying to do with the coaching, with the analytics, with, with all these all the newfangled technology that they brought in with Wes Johnson to try and really hone in on on how these guys can be successful. I think that really that 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 dramatically changes an organization. We've seen it dramatically change organizations. The Astros, not long before they had their great success, they changed the way that they tracked and coached pitching. Same thing with the Red Sox. A lot of these clubs around Major League Baseball who People look at him and they go, how are they getting that out of that pitching? Justin Verlander, people thought was at the end of the road when he was leaving Detroit. Like he wasn't, he wasn't, was not nope. having good seasons. He goes to Houston and they found something through their, through their analytics department and their mm-hmm. coaching. And now that guy is back to being a, a frontline starter. So I think that can really, really change things. And if they're effective with it, we're not just going to be talking about Jose Barrios. I think there are going to be some surprising names doing some things in that in that Twins pitching staff. The one team that intrigues me a lot because they, they've been successful, but they play in a terrible ballpark, and, and they shouldn't be that good, and they are. Because you're obviously going to copy Houston, right? Houston's won or been to championships. They've won them. Tampa. I feel I and this is just this is this is me so this is not I was not told this but I feel with Baldelli coming here now and just hearing things about what Tampa's done and the success that they've had against odds basically that a lot of teams like the Twins look at Tampa and say that's the blueprint mm-hmm. like they've got the ideas they're incredibly smart everybody's got a better ballpark for the most part except for Oakland maybe mm-hmm a lot of teams have have talent that probably is comparable. Tampa is jettisoning guys year after year who you're like, whoa, that guy hit 30 home runs. C.J. Cron, right? So Tampa is a really interesting case study that teams are looking long and hard at and saying, if they, if they can do it and whatever they're doing, we want that blueprint. And to get the most bang for their buck. I mean, oh, they have absolutely. the lowest payroll in baseball, and it's not even close. And they won 90 games last year. Yeah. They somehow got 90 games out of that roster that they put together with the lowest payroll in baseball. And imagine taking all the things that they do well and putting an extra 30 or $50 million in payroll behind right. it. Right? And I think and that's, that's what teams are thinking. That's part of the reason why the Dodgers hired Andrew Friedman, their GM, yep. a couple of years ago and said, whoa, can you apply some of these same principles but to a $250 million payroll? And it's still the case, though. Mm-hmm. I, I thought w- when he left and Madden left, I thought, okay, that's it now, right? They're done. they're basically going to be done. They're not. Are you a are you pro or you're a Cubs fan, Rami? Are yes. you in or out on Joe Madden? Oh, I'm in. Okay, I'm in on Joe Madden. I mean, I know all things must come to an end, and this may be his last year, and hopefully, it's a good one. But I I love Joe. Do Madden. he and Theo get along, or what's the situation there now? There was they they they've gotten along over the course of their career. There seemed to be a split with them last year in terms of the way that they addressed the Addison Russell. Uh, mm. controversy. Uh, Joe Madden was somewhat dismissive of it, um, and I think was just sort of focused on on baseball. You know, they were in the middle of a playoff race, and so what, I don't think answered the questions in as thoughtful or introspective a way as Theo Epstein did, or as Theo Epstein would like to see his manager do it. Um, and then I do think that they just 
they looked at what they had on paper last year and they thought they should have gotten more out of that. They thought they had more talent than what translated into wins. And so they're making Joe prove it. If he wants this job beyond 2019, he's going to have to get the most out of Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber and Anthony Rizzo and the rest of these guys that are that are in that Cubs lineup who t- have taken steps back in recent years. We have some amazing Williams Astadio related oh. audio Ooh. when we come back Hold here. On, what? Yep. Mm. Your favorite player, Royce's favorite player, our our favorite player, really, as a show. When we come back here, we're going to wrap with Royce, it's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North. And one of the uh, companies that helps power this place and keeps our mics on, for better or worse, is Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, where right now in that service department, it's a service department that I have been leaning on for half my life now, just going back to when I almost failed my driver's test as a 16-year-old because I couldn't parallel park. Well, that's not a problem anymore because of reverse cam. So I don't know how these how these kids uh, even manage to get through life with all these comforts like reverse cam. Get but my lawn. Yep. Had to look over your shoulder back in the day. Uh, you can get into that service department, and you can get uh, $5 off an oil and filter change right now. They'll give you a free computerized diagnostic if you have a, a warning light or some sort of light on on your dashboard. And then uh, you get to decide if you want to get it fixed or if you just kind of like the light on. I don't know. Maybe you like that exclamation point sitting on your dashboard. It's up to you. $10 off battery. Actually, free battery inspection. $10 off battery replacement. All kinds of great specials. Luther Brookdale, Toyota.com, and 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. All right. We wrap with Royce every day. I'm Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Pat, we've got one of your favorite things here. We have Miked Up Williams Astadio, a clip we want to play you. <laughs> Okay. So this is him with his translator, and this game was on ESPN okay. today. They had yes, they had Mookie yes, Betts mic'd up. Yes. So this yes, was yes. Uh, this is from today. Ask him about the home run he stole in Venezuela. Hey, yeah, lo que tuviste en Venezuela. Hábleme de eso. Lo que tuviste en Venezuela. Te dio un portizo. ¿Tú no vas con balón en Venezuela? Hábleme de eso. Yes, I stole. I was playing center field that day. ¿Y qué pasó? What happened? I look like Kobe Bryant still. <laughs> he got he had a bad luck day, man. He the first three pitches he hit two rockets the third base for three outs. Uh, the first one he's leading off. They let him off today. We finally found our leadoff hitter. And uh, he hit a rocket to third. He's out. First pitch. Next time he comes up, I think they got runners at second and third. He hits a rocket to third again, and the guy steps on the base for a double play. So I'm sure that we had some uh, Spanish cojonia uh, going on there with that because uh, he, uh, he was hitting in bad luck today. But he's definitely making the team. They love the guy. And uh, they're not worrying about the fact that uh, he's uh, if he's, if his batting average is 310, his on-base percentage is 310. Well, don't worry about that. That's fine. Keep hacking. So, do you see the Wall Street Journal had a big story on him today? No. I saw it. I didn't read the it. Man, yeah. Yeah, the man who might save baseball, William, William Sostadio, because he's up there. Well, he's got it. Don't put too much uh, on him now. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rachel, uh, you know what? You know, Rachel Bachman, who was uh, you know intern at the trip years ago, and she's a great great kid. Uh, she's uh, she works for the Street Journal, and she said she put him on this story. She said, "Get get write this story." And uh, so, and now Lavelle today asked me 
if he is the number one folk hero in Twins history based on how little he's accomplished. And uh, I went back and I looked through every name, and the only one I can come up to that would really be comparable, I think, is Bombo Rivera. Uh, because Bombo was an instant hit, but then Bombo was an instant celebrity because his name was Bombo. Right. Uh, you know, Will, Willens has had to create this out of you know being five foot eight and two hundred and forty pounds and running around like a crazy man. So yeah, but Pat, I I don't think with Austin Dio it's an act at all. Like I didn't sense that. I sense that no, this is just no. this is just him. He's not trying to get your attention. He's not trying to be a goofball. He's just sort of a goofball. Well, he is a goofball. Like in the clubhouse, you'll see him and he'll be walking, you know, doing the early morning walk in the clubhouse. Somebody will say something and turn around with that real, so he has that real threatening look. Like, you know, I might punch you because you, even though the guy might have said hello, you know, or something. He is a bit of a goofball, but it's, uh, you know, he's not, I don't think he's working at it. I think it comes naturally after being in the minor leagues for 10 years. you got to entertain yourself, right? Yeah. And he, he lightens anyway, up the whole clubhouse, right? It's contagious. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, uh, with this collection, it's such a new collection of players that it's, it's, it's hard to tell what personalities are in there. So he's, uh, he's definitely one of the bigger personalities in there because there's, there's so few guys that we recognize right now. And uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, not like the, uh, not like the days of, clubhouse camaraderie though because of cell phones and iPads and stuff like that it's not like when Puck had his corner down in the far end where all the brothers were down there and uh, you know white men feared to tread <laughs> there was so much stuff going on down there it was hilarious so anyway uh, but yeah it's he, he certainly is a, a lot of fun to be around that's for sure and he can swing the bat that's, yeah. that's even more important. Hey, did you see uh, Phil Miller from the Star Tribune went over and and caught up with Brian Dozier earlier this week? And Brian Dozier yeah, kind yeah, of right, right. laid out and said, yeah, we, we approached them at the beginning of the season last year, and they just had no interest. In the twi- so at no point did the Twins really ever even try to no. lowball Brian oh, Dozier. Did. They just didn't want him back. What, what did you make of that? Yeah, it was interesting. It really does tell these you know, these good players that are reaching 31 years old, that if you're just good, <laughs> that's not good enough. You better take, uh, you know, you better not go in and say, give me $100 million. You better go in and say, uh, give me a three-year deal for $40 million or something and take it. because. And, of course, as the season progressed, Dozier's value, the idea that they've, they were going to wait. I, I, I don't think because they didn't talk to him in the spring doesn't mean they wouldn't have talked to him if he would have taken off and had a 42 home run year. But the fact that he had a lousy year would made him have no interest in, in bringing him back. So it created that conversation. But it's a different world for these guys. They, uh, you know, I mean, unless you're really good, they just assume. When you get to be 31, you're going backwards instead of forwards, and they're not going to give you a lot of money. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just not not going to work that way. And uh, they can they all would rather replace you with a 23 or 24 year old who's a better athlete. Yeah, so, uh, Pat, uh, you Doge s- can hit the fastball anymore. By the way, Doge that, that was 
the real good fastball. He had a hard time with the, uh, the the velocity. He was one of the guys that had a big trouble with velocity last year. Did you see where your uh, your favorite quarterback wound up this afternoon? Case Keenum traded to the Washington Redskins, according to Adam yeah. Schefter. Now, who the hell is Washington's quarterback? Well, Alex Smith, whose leg was oh, oh yeah, coming half. back from that. Yeah, that's right. So they needed him. Yeah. And are they biting the whole eighteen? That's the my guess is they have because they're paying Alex Smith like twenty five million dollars, right? Five, yeah, right. Oh boy, they that's, probably that's, have to restructure case. Yeah, I don't know. That's a lot I, of money. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe they'll make him restructure, but I don't know. Well, you know, he he gets an average of eighteen. How much of that does he get up front that might be subtracted? Maybe the cap hit isn't is, isn't that big, but uh, I guess that's uh, that's a sign of desperation for the Redskins because they not going to have Alex Smith this year, so they got to take a shot at this guy. It would be very wow. it would be very intriguing, Patrick, if uh, if Case plays well in Washington while Kirk Cousins perhaps does not here, though. <laughs> that would be that would well, be interesting. I I got the impression that we probably got the best case is ever going to have to offer, don't you? Nick? Yeah, I do. Sometimes that just happens. You know, sometimes you know uh, Ken Schwab won fifteen games one year for the Twins, and uh, I don't think teams are beating on the door trying to get get him to uh, come to town. You know, sometimes you just pop up and have a good year, even when you were pretty mediocre. So the hockey tournament today, we had uh, six periods, huh? We did. We had, yep. yeah, a game just ended like 30 minutes ago. In Lakeville South. <laughs> Lakeville North. Yeah, uh, Lakeville South. Not Lakeville North, Lakeville South. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's so Eden Prairie advances. I'm, and not, not many people... Uh, I uh, root for uh, Eden Prairie, but I do in hockey because uh, Lee Smith's a really good guy. So yeah, the coach out there, he's kind of a character, and he's he's been had to survive a few parents in his day out there in Eden Prairie, don't you think? Yeah, you, Probably, you know, <laughs> one or two. Lifetime. Maybe the kid should be in a different line, get a few more minutes, some of that stuff. So, some Mike McCarthy yeah. like high school sports parents. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. That's fantastic. And by the way, it, as he's chasing the referee, it looks like he's gained another twenty. <laughs> he's making eight mil to do nothing. Of course, he's going to the best he's restaurants he can find. I thought, baby. I thought he was eating his frustrations with the Packers. No. Uh, he was just eating. He was, man, he's a, he's a, as a tub. I can see a fellow tub, and he's a tub, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tubs of America the United. Ref, the ref should have turned around and said, Oh, shut up, fatty. I'm really, I feel like NFL coaches always wind up looking the same at the end of it. I can't wait until Cliff Kingsbury looks like that in about 30 years. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Hey, by the way, are we now going to let Pete Rose go in the Hall of Fame? Now that we have to, now that we oh. have to let Las Vegas know what the starting lineup is 15 minutes before anybody else does. And that's all Pete was doing when he was in right. the manager's office. Right. Hey, I think I'm going to play these guys. Right. You know, uh, I mean, let's, let's put Pete in the Hall of Fame. Come on. What's next? If you're starting an opener, do you have to tell them then who you're going to pitch next? And, uh, uh, you know, this it's amazing. Man, they all had religion. They were all testified before Congress about three years ago about not allowing gambling. Now they're supporting kiosks in stadiums where you can bet on the next pitch. You know, unbelievable. 
Yeah, By is. the way, what are the odds going to be if you can bet on every pitch? What are the odds going to be on Williams' Austin deal with the first pitch? You'd have to bet 50 to make 20. <laughs> yeah, it'd be the opposite of whatever the Joe Mauer odds were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why it's good the game's so slow, Pat, so you can bet on everything. Yeah, bet on it. You know, it's incredible to me that they're, that they're doing this. Uh, although uh, the guys I talked to today, you know, think that it's it's still whoever's starting the game as a pitcher is where all the bets are going to go anyway. They don't care what the hell the lineup is. You know, now maybe if LA doesn't have Mike Trout, it'll make you know some difference. But it's in baseball, the betting is generally on the starting pitching anyway. Uh, Pat, we will catch up with you again tomorrow. All right, gentlemen. See you. All right, we wrap with Royce every day on the show. And you guys, uh, you guys hang out all day at. Hammond Stadium this week, or what was what was Pat like this week? Oh, he was, he was great. He's in his element down there. Oh yeah, he loves it. He loves it. Basically, and, and on Unchained, he was fantastic. Jonathan can tell you he had a meltdown about the, the fact that the Twins are forced to go on the road when the NCAA basketball tournament is here. That might be the best best Unchained meltdown from Patrick yet. Really, it was tr- truly Unchained rant. It was. He didn't amazing. stop, but yeah, it was no, great. No, we all just kind of ducked and hid for a little while, and he just kept going. Can we capture some of that and play it on tomorrow's show just for fun? I asked the question. Yeah. I asked the question to, to him, not knowing what the response was going to be about. Just hey, hey, simply, you know, the twins will be gone after that homestand to clear out for the basketball turn. And Phil can tell you, Pat gave me that Pat look, like you've either said something really wrong or he's really mad. That sort of cross-eyed <laughs> look that Pat gets, and I'm like, oh boy, here, yep, yes. Phil's doing it perfectly. <laughs> he crunches his face up and looks at you like you are the stupidest bleep ever. He, he, he mutters like four words you can't say into a microphone to himself and then goes for And that was it. It was great. Fantastic. <laughs> Mackie and Judd with Rami on demand anywhere you find podcasts and Spotify. All of our Score North shows are now on Spotify, too. See you guys tomorrow. Write that down tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll talk to you later. Bye. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.